and um, soon I'm about to be joined by uh, my friend and former co-presenter Ahmed Yusuf. Uh, the ending to the song, my kids hate that ending. Why do they hate the ending? Oh, because it's a little bit, um, you know, like, I guess, dissonant. You know, it doesn't... It doesn't have, like, a climax. That's right. So, um, that was Rosalia. Um, she's become a worldwide sensation. Um, and the track was called Si Tu Sopieras Compañero. Now, um, in the studio with me, you're listening to Mad Village. It is now 23 minutes past nine. Not a very respectful, r- respectable time to start the show, but, uh, you know, that's what we could do this morning. And mm-hmm. with me, I have... Ahmed Yusuf, good morning, Ahmed. Um, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a good morning. Had a nice cup of coffee. Yes, uh, good oh. morning. But the last few days have been pretty shitty. Eh? Yeah, the last few days have been not so great. Um, so maybe I mean, for if if there were any any listeners who I don't know have been living in another planet for the last couple of days, we can tell them a little bit about what have ha- has happened. So fifty people are confirmed dead after Friday's shootings at two mosques in Christchurch in New Zealand, South Island. Uh, 42 people died at uh, one of the mosques and seven at the other one. And another victim died later in hospital. Um, at this stage, there's a 28-year-old Australian man. His name is Brenton Tarrant. And he has been charged with murder. Um, and the Prime Minister Jacinta Arden um, yesterday indicated that there was also another sus- suspect who had been, um, the police were tra- planning to charge him. So that's where we are. Um, um, they are attacking people who are um, praying mm. and completely defenseless. Well, the thing about this sort of um, terror attack is that it happened, it was, it was premeditated. The um, the te- the terrorists knew when knew that Friday was um, Juma. Knew, that f- yeah, right. knew, yeah, knew that Friday was Juma. Knew that um, around the time he went there was when everyone was praying. Knew it would be the time when everyone when the mosque would be full, and it was a very strategic um, and sort of calculated assault. And I guess like w- what I've found really interesting in the past few days is the condemnation from people who are um let's say who have more or less produced this <laughs> this this violence like chris kenny for example chris <laughs> kenny sky news um scott morrison peter Darren, um the, just uh, the abc the age the production of this violence has has been started the season started so since um 9-11 like uh just uh in the la- in 20 um um i think in 2017 Murdoch um the media news corp had 2891 um stories trashing islam just negative stories about islam in in that one single year 2000 which is i think every single day yeah so i mean it, that's one thing that has been very interesting because with the egging incident and Ahmed, I'm I'm pretty sure we're gonna have to talk about that today. Yeah. Um uh, sort of blaming the seventeen year old kid who decided to egg uh, Fraser Anning. 
um and they they are calling that violence um i guess without realizing the incredible incredibly high level of violence that uh, fraser annings remarks well like um constitute already you know yeah and and i feel like there's a very big distraction going on with the he's not the pr he's a problem but he's not the problem it comes from people like scott morrison who in 2011 said he sees votes in anti-muslim strategies sort of like fueling the flames of um islamophobia it's like it's with peter Dutton who says um i think in 2015 that lebanese muslim immigration was a mistake it's like peter yeah. Dutton, and then and then just a few weeks ago sort of like without any proof without any sort of facts or anything like that blanketly saying the um refugees and asylum seekers on Nauru and manas who want to seek medical attention are dangerous because they are um, rapists, murderers, and pedophiles without any basis whatsoever in his um, in his allegations. Uh, um, Ahmed, I, I guess one one of the things that I wanted to explain to our listeners one of the reasons why I thought about you. I mean, first of all, because you you're available, you're my friend, um, you live in the area, um, and it was it was relatively easy to contact you and and to get you on the show. But um, another of the reasons was that. Um, of course, you've gone through all of this as well, not only as a young Muslim man, but also as a as a young man of, I guess, African descent. And um, so th none, none of this is news. Um, but it shouldn't be news to anyone, really, because of, like, th our discourse has become so toxic, our media culture has become so toxic. And I guess it's just like, in in sort of like our interpretations of of violence so the debt like there was this really good uh, dichotomy between two front pages in the daily mirror in in the um in in the uk where after the, uh, the um orlando um orlando uh, gay club um the the mirror says isis maniac kills 50 in gay club and the, uh, the attack in the mosque uh angelic boy who grew up into an evil far-right mass killer so it's just like the framing of the violences are very interesting do you know what i mean this guy is this guy was angelic what happened to him let's dig deeper let's find out who radicalized him let's 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 like humanize his his story in that That's sense whereas if it's uh, someone from you know a muslim background they are a devil anyway you know no exactly and and i guess it's um it's very interesting to see sort of like um so much of our sort of like modern politics is conversations about identity politics well i was going to say ahmed as well so i guess i wanted to come to from a certain angle as well today i mean obviously we have a, a number of i guess you know you could call them fringe um personalities uh, I'm, I'm thinking of Blair, Blair Cottrell and Fraser Anning and what's the name of the gr Greek guy Milo Yiannopoulos or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah Milo yeah um, Milo um, and and in some ways they are the most visible faces of this Nazism mm -hmm. I mean th th there's no other way yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. call it right yeah. um, but what has been interesting is if you look at Fraser Anning's uh, speech in parliament when he actually talked about the final solution, about what twenty-five MPs who straight after that went and shook his hand, yeah, and 
what we have seen over the last few months is how that incredibly radical and violent discourse has actually become mainstream in some ways. Yeah, but not only mainstream, but how the sort of fake respectabilities in parliament, in the media, people think about being civilized in discourse has allowed, so, so for example, well, we have to shake his hand. Just who cares what he said? We This is protocol, you know what I mean? And, um, and that just shows how, I guess this, what what who is able to be violent in spaces and still be seen as respectable is very interesting by the way i just want to say um you know this morning we're having a conversation with ahmed and if there was th- if there were any listeners who want to contribute um, there's a, a number of ways to to do so um so you can send us a an sms o double four double seven double seven nine eight nine um, and also you can you can send us a tweet if you want. Uh, so the hashtag I, no what what is it called the, the handle the handle is <laughs> mad underscore village mad village. Um, so feel free to interact with us. Um, but yeah, I, m- I mean I completely agree. But Ahmed, I mean how um, interesting it is that two days before that or three days before what happened, really had um, rejected. Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos visa and then they flipped after this happened they flipped again now this is a guy who similar to Blair Blair Cottrell have been clearly advocating for violence well like he's he used to work for Breitbart and there was this BuzzFeed um, expose on the workings of Breitbart and how they've worked very hard to push um, Nazism and white supremacy to the mainstream and sort of they have these emails between Stephen Bannon uh, and the, the, the founder of Breitbart and Milo talking about some kind of war this, this, the language of a race war is in, this, in their vocabulary and uh, the reason I bring up Stephen Bannon is because that expose happens I think in um, I think early 2017 or or late 2016, and then Stephen Bannon comes into Australia last year for an interview with the ABC, and people widely criti- criticise this um, this this interview. And what happens is there's a distraction here. There's a distraction of like we can't talk to who, we can't talk to who. But it's not about who you can or cannot talk to. It's about how you frame a discussion. Well, exactly. Yeah. And in this interview. Um, Sarah Ferguson, who I think is a very good journalist, if anyone's seen The Killing Season, that's just a testament of her her journalistic ability. But her inability in this interview to actually interrogate the white supremacy of Stephen Bannon. To proper, properly challenge. Right? Yeah, because hmm. he uses these very sort of like these, these sort of white nationalist tropes, right? Hmm. So it talks about sort of um, economic nationalism. He talks about thinking about the Republican Party as the Workers' Party. Um, using very clear sort of parallels with um, the way Nazis mm. in in in, um, in Germany were called the National um, Socialist Party. Do you know what I mean? And, and, but, and, and let's not forget that similarly we had Blair Cottrell on Sky News. Yeah, uh, Sky News. And in, and you know what's even funnier is that Adam Giles last night was saying, "How do these people have have power in 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 our in our discourse? We shouldn't allow them on social media." Dude, you let him on your platform. 
you and then but also I, but again you don't you didn't let them on the platform to ridicule them and no. to you basically let them you gave them Car a platform to, yeah. to basically say whatever they wanted to say but the, but even even so like See, right, say for example, we say we expect this from Sky News, right? We expect this from, say, Murdoch Media. But the ABC is as complicit in this as well because after the interview, Sarah Ferguson posted a picture of her and Stephen Bannon and says, there's nothing wrong with this picture. Yes, there is something very wrong with this picture because you see this person and you are you see them you have to you have to perform this respectability you're like normalizing for, you're normalizing the fact that you're actually sitting down there with an well you can you can sit with him and and interview him but the way you interview him is very important yeah you know what i mean like you don't you don't just give him an open-ended platform that's right you don't in the interview say no 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 i i do not think you're a racist i'm like to make that assertion yeah and of course the reasons the reasons for that are different because obviously the Mur- Murdoch media, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's because that's the way they think. But for the ABC, it's because they there is this notion of um, being neutral, um, and I think it's a it's a very skewed notion. And it's similar to when you know talking about climate change, they always feel that they have to bring a skeptic in. And why do you have to bring a skeptic? No, because but th- this is the thing. There's a really interesting, strange thing about sort of the idea of balance mm. for balance sake. So if we are talking about climate change, which is a pretty much roundly agreed upon um, thing that's happening by almost all scientists, and then you find this skeptic on the street who says, nah, it's not happening, that person now is given the same sort of platform as, say, the scientists. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, in, but even in this, it's like there's no, there's no opposition to his conversation. This is just an interview with Stephen Mannon and Sarah Ferguson. And there is no sort of contextualizing of his views. There's no talking about what Breitbart is. There's no referencing this BuzzFeed expose that showed Milo and a bunch of other people from Breitbart with Richard Spencer doing Nazi salutes. Like, there's no contextualizing of, of what these people are. It's about, like, look, we are talking about them, and then if you talk, if you don't talk about this, you're in silos. But the, the, the interesting thing about the ABC is, is the silo in which they exist in. Well, exactly, and, and I think if you... There's nothing wrong with talking about them and to have them on the show, but you have to call them for what they are. Yeah, but, but also you have to do the work of actually, like, all right, so if we're going to talk to Stephen Bannon, we need to talk to other groups in the States who contextualize his views. No. We need a... Uh, yes. No, no, I was just going to say Ahmed as well. So if, if, I, if I don't remember wrong, I, I read this uh, yesterday or the day before, at the egging incident, incident, some of the people who were watching uh, Fraser Anning's, uh, whatever it was, press release or, or whatever it was, press conference, uh, were black, black or trail. And also that um, comedian guy who was charged with defacing the uh, Eurydice Dixon Memorial. I mean, I guess I guess what I'm talking about here is that the fact that these people are um, gaining momentum, they are becoming... Um, it's that idea of um, becoming mainstream. Yeah, um, 100%. Legitimized. But th- the other thing as well, which is really interesting as well, is that they use, um, I guess, democratic um, platforms... Uh, I mean, they don't believe in any of that, but they still use it. Mm. And f- I mean, for example, the best idea, the best, you know, how many of these people are condemning condemning um, Islam, 
because they say that Islam doesn't respect women. When, you know, we actually, you actually challenge the, you know, if you think of the views of a lot of these people, they have no respect for women whatsoever. Yeah, no, but it's about sort of, this is all, but this is the thing, it's, it's about seeing, um, it's so crude in its sort of, just the way it is, it, that it's, it's not about respecting women, it's about ownership. It's about, there, there's very big anxieties about sort of this sort of like white man's protection of the white woman that is around say these sort of animals who are who who are black or brown so these these people who are going to steal our women or who are going to like and, and the tropes of sexualized violence that is racialized right and so i think it, it's it's a lot it's a lot down to sort of notions of entitlement it's a lot to do with the ownership of bodies the ownership of space like you know, what's also really interesting as well about this, I mean, I'm, I'm going back to Spain for a second, but in Spain there's a very similar party who they claim to be centre-right, but, I mean, they're really, again, the same movement, disguised, right? And one of the things that they use against Islam all the time is they say, oh, Islam is ho homophobic, right? And these people, um, they were always protesting against uh, same-sex marriage, right? But, but they blame Islam because Islam is hom homophobic. And, of course, what people also miss in that is as if Islam was just one thing, you know how but, but how much diversity is. But yeah, sure. And and these are things like you can you can critique like sort of like mainstream sort of uh, I don't know, like I don't know, quote unquote mainstream Islam. Whatever that actually means, right? And say there's a cultural issue of homophobia, sexism, and etc. But these these are all social ills that exist every single place, and then also the places in which people target very particularly is like Saudi Arabia, and this notion that every Muslim in the world is like like oh my God yes da, Saudi Arabia, even though um, Saudi Arabia <laughs> has has really great ties with the U the U S the U K and Australia, um, and uh, actively routinely sort of um discriminates against muslims who are not um from the gulf you know what i mean and so it's these it's these really interesting notions of how they see um saudi arabia as say sort of like some sort of islamic theocracy right but in reality saudi arabia will and do stretch the rules of whatever they what like say for example sharia law when it works in their favor and they use it to assault people who they see as inferior. So whether it's women who cannot drive, but then also what we do is we erase the resistance that comes from those spaces. Mm. We act like, all right, so look at these Muslim women who can't do anything. Well, the women who are fighting for the right to drive in Saudi are Saudi women who've been jailed. And we act as if this resistance doesn't exist. Do you know what I mean? And so the more or less you can talk about these issues because they are issues. Don't see the the sort of like the actual you raise the the sort of um, the, the the actual reform that is happening in these spaces and the people who are being um, hurt by this as well. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. Now um, on Mad Village this morning, uh, we're talking to Ahmed Yusuf, who you know is um, I guess a politically active journalist. Yeah. Um, who is currently taking some time off to do some study. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe Ahmed will just ask you a little bit. What what are you studying right now? Um, I'm doing a honors in politics, um, talking about sort of the way panels. Uh, it's it's about sort of media representation, sort of how 
panel conversations um, sort of curate ideas of diversity and representation. So for example, we see, often we see a panel that is represented in sort of like um, bodily representation in terms of identity and we accept it as um, diverse, right? And we accept it as representative of, say, um, marginalised groups, whoever they might be. Um, but we never actually address the, the culture that exists in the media, <laughs> the people who create those panels. So, for example, in the ABC a few years ago, there was a there was a census of the staff. And so 8% of content makers in the ABC, I think this was in 2016 or something, were are culturally and linguistically diverse. And so, for example, and culturally and linguistically diverse also, as in um, Greek, Italian, mm -hmm. and so sort of like other sort of like white European sort of um, uh, um, people. So, uh, so, so say it, it could even be higher, it could even be lower, say, for example, the, the other marginalized groups in those spaces. And so what we're saying is there's probably a high 90% of people who work in the ABC as content creators of the the producers who produce your panel on the drum, the producers that produce your panels on on Q and A, and they they're the chief experts of who create our national discourse. And so, for example, the people they pick is also very um, it tells a story it's in its own right, and the way they decide. Say, for example, this is a different thing. So, for example, moving on from the ABC, say for example, Studio Ten, and the discourse that happened in Studio Ten was. Um, around um, Kirli Ann uh, Kennelly and her assertion that um, that after after sort of like Australia Day and Invasion Day protests that um, people were being uh, people weren't looking at say for example the sexualized violence that happening in um, indigenous communities and being very being very sort of like um, homogenizing what that actually means right and on the panel Yumi Stein says. Um, you're sounding racist, right? And so the post after that was um, a lot of people saying, where were the indigenous voices? Where were they? Where were they? And so um, the next day they were indigenous voices. Um, and the indigenous voice they decided to have in studio was Jacinta Price, um, who has very questionable things to say and is very critiqued in in in, in sort of indigenous uh, communities. And they... Uh, put her against Lydia Thorpe. And so that discussion was hijacked because it became a conversation that was seen as tribalized, right? I was going to say, Ahmed, as well, that um, it's interesting because if you say, oh, we're going to have diverse women and then you put um, Rita Panahi or whatever, yeah. and if you're going to have women, then you, you put Georgina Woods. I mean, <laughs> that's not going to really uh, do anything to represent diverse no. voices because th these people are just representing the status quo. Yeah, but that's the point. It's just, I mean, when people... This is what happens when you have bad faith actors who manipulate the discourse. And this is what happens when um, Q&A decide to put particular people or Sunrise or Studio 10, whoever it might be, all these panel groups who, are, who the largely the makeup is, is the producers are mostly white, but also the culture in which they exist in is never discussed. I was going to say, Ahmed, that I, I, I hear from, from what you're saying that until you really increase diversity of content no, creators... Yeah, but yes, but, but also no, because like... Because otherwise it's always going to be simply about who we choose on the panels and, and there's much more to that than that. No? Yes, that too, but also 
it it is who you, it it is sort of like cha- like making the scope for content creators bigger, but also having an actual culture shift in our media. Because, like for example, um, on the panel, say for example, uh, the the Studio Ten panel, right? Most of the people on that panel agreed with agreed, agreed with each other. You know what I mean? So, say for example, if we have so um, a ninja's voice that disagrees with them, that's one voice out of all. And there's like this overwhelming tide, like silencing and erasing what is being said as well. And so, it's about sort of like having a shift in our cultural discussion. So who um who would be doing this better in Australia or well? But in what sense? In terms uh, of media organizations, you know, who I don't think anyone's doing it better. I think everyone is complicit in it. Like that was done late last year in October, where it found that so it studied um almost fourteen uh, hundred media articles and looking at sort of like the sentiments towards minority communities. And it found that a third of news stories contain negative sentiments towards minority communities, while more than half of the editorials and commentary pieces portrayed minorities negatively. So you're saying so news stories that are quote unquote supposed to be neutral, right? Um, and this idea of neutrality, whatever that means, right? A third of them contain negative sentiments toward minority communities, and then you have um, editorials and and, and op eds. That majority, like, 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 almost more than half, majority of the the content that was created was negative, so, and that's, and that just tells you sort of the the state of the discourse, and it tells you that regardless of say um, whether the story is a hard news story or not, the 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 interpretation of the people who are being reported on will be portrayed negatively and that has to do with sort of like who's writing those stories as well but also more or less has to do with the sort of people who allow themselves to believe certain things about certain people and i don't think that changes just because you have someone in the room i think that changes when there's an actual concerted effort um to change the, the actual status quo i mean i guess that the, the other Unintended effect, or, or well, or intended, I don't know. But uh, one of the things that's very reasonable. I'm thinking, for example, of Yasmin. What's her name? Abdelmajid. Yeah. So, I mean, she's been completely demonized. Yeah. Um, where I think most of the times, I mean, I completely agree with everything that she has to say. Similarly, even I guess even even more so, uh, someone like Niadol Nuyon. Mm. No, see. Yeah. No, but but this is this is the thing, like. When you're disrupting sort of a discourse that says one thing, the disruptors usually get the brunt of the violence. Do you know what I mean? So, for example, you will have situation where um, Yasmin is literally being attacked daily by um, News Corp um, and and their papers and their and and, the, and 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 some of the news channels, and that would never happen to say, for example, this. This Brenton Tarrant character who is a terrorist, we're not going to see his face every single day in the media, but on the front cover of News Corp. We'll see it for a few days, then the conversation leaves, and then we have a conversation about other things, which is very interesting. But also, it's very interesting how our sort of intelligence organizations who have taken our metadata that have 
taken all these civil liberties from us because they want to protect the country um, from terrorists, had no idea who he was. Mm. He wasn't hiding. Yeah, He's on Dingo, twi- Dingo Twitter is um, the white supremacist Twitter um, um, uh, of, of white supremacists. So, and this was covered in, in BuzzFeed and other media platforms. Uh, he was on, he was regularly on 4, uh, 4chan. He was, he was on Facebook. Like his comment, like everything was happening and everything that he was doing was documented online. And his, his, his attack as well was for an online audience, for voyeurs watching on to oh, repeat yeah. these, these acts of violence. Ahmed, um, I think, you know, all of a sudden we're running out of time. I don't yeah. know how this happened. Yeah. Um, but I do want you to spend a couple of minutes telling us your ideas about what should be done about this. You know, I, I mean, I, I posted something on Twitter yesterday, which is, you know, these people are, are Nazis, they are fascists. Mm-hmm. And how do you combat that? And, you know, I, uh, um, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of debate already. Um, Don't give them platform. But Yeah, but also I guess what I'm t- trying to say is, mm. you know, these people are people who actually are saying, uh, we're going to destroy you and we're going to be violent to, towards you. Mm. And then we have this notion of ability as well. And, uh, and you know, what, uh, you know and, and don't take me wrong because I, I am not a violent person. I don't believe in yeah. violence. Yeah. But at the same time, with people like that, um, I do believe that it has to be uh, strong opposition, yeah. and that you have to show them mm. that we're ready. We're gonna be fight you on 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 every yeah. front. Yeah, but like, so this is the thing. I feel like there needs like when I was talking about like a culture shift is in the media, and I and I just political discourse is so. Um, I, I was reading a um a an academic article by. Um, this academic called uh, Spivak, she's Indian um, academic, and sort of the summary of that is Western academics, regardless of who they are, um, is to protect Western economic interests at the expense of, say, the developing world, regardless of their discourse, regardless of what they're writing, and she references some of some very high-profile academics. And I guess what we have to, in in the sense of the media and our politics is that take uh, recognize that our media landscape at present like i've just told you about the stats about who who makes the media um mm. i told you about the the stories in which are negative towards minority communities it is to recognize the production of our media is to preserve a specific idea of what is australia i guess um, going back to Noam chomsky manufacturing consent yeah yeah completely Mm. Like this is this is this is a long producing of violence, a sort of like a subliminal violence that allows people to be okay with with extreme acts of violence. We're okay with with uh, with foreign policy that we support from the states and and other places that produce violence um, in developing countries with um, with foreign intervention with uh, supporting regimes uh, who. Who are who are who are viciously attacking people, like Australian government supports the Yemeni Yemeni I was going to Yemen war, uh, and uh, they, they support Saudi Arabia. You know, it's, it's I, was, I was going to say Ahmed that uh, you know when I was young, when I was twenty something, twenty two, I I joined a political party in Spain. It was quite a radical left wing party, and I ran for parliament. And I had this very good friend who 
always used to say something to me that I didn't quite understand at the time. He said, look, all of these shows and telly with the spies and the... Th- they, they mean that the right has already won. And I, for for quite a long time, I didn't really quite get that. And And then, again, you look at the situation now, you know, we have shows on telly that continues to continue to normalize torture, for example. Um... It's actually seen now as radical. Yeah. Interesting, no? No, very interesting. But like, this is a new. No. Like, no. Um, like, look at the history of Australia. Like, it wasn't until the 60s that indigenous people were see, were allowed to be human in this country. Um, and, and still at present, um, despite making 3% of the population, they make the majority of our prison population. Mm-hmm. And like, that's very instructive of sort of like the, like the white supremacy that exists in, in, in our society and the sort of racism that perpetuates itself because is like, this is, th- th- I think this is the most, the best example of say, for example, um, conservative doctrine means to be conservative, ec- protect economic interests, right? It makes no political or an economic interest to spend billions of dollars on detention centers, offshore detention centers run by private organizations. Makes no sense whatsoever unless you're particularly protecting an image of what you perceive to be your country or this national identity. That's what it is. That's the the conservative that exists in there is to conserve this identity. It's not about any sort of politics whatsoever because if we're talking about economics it doesn't make any yeah um uh, uh, ahmed unfortunately we've run out of time i have to say our listeners um you know they only got a short um show today but they definitely got the run for their money today <laughs> so uh, Hope they enjoyed it thank you so much for being here today it's been a it's been a total pleasure to talk to you as usual okay and thank we're going to leave our listeners with a song by willow called organization and classification and unfortunately, you won't be able to get to listen to the whole thing because um, we have Alec in the building and he's going to be starting his show in just a couple of minutes. So see you all next week. Thank you. <laughs>